I signed a contract on a Sunday evening, the very next day, and I closed about three weeks later, and it was a $25,000 assignment. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Heard of crowdfunding and still curious about how you can benefit from it? Well, we've got a step-by-step guide put together just for you by the best ever team and patch of land, the industry's leading crowdfunding experts. The best crowdfunding crash course ever, episodes 152, 159, 166, and 173 will provide you all you need to know to get started and begin benefiting immediately. Whether it's getting access to funds for your project or passively investing in other people's deals. The time is now to get started with Patch of Land. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever to grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and I'm here with today's guest, Aaron Lockhart. Hi, Aaron. Hi. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing really well and glad to have you on the show. Aaron's based in Chicago, Illinois, where he is primarily wholesaled over 20 properties in the last year. He's been a full-time real estate investor for the last two years, and he bought his first property whenever he was the young age of 21. So he was drinking a beer and buying properties legally (laughs) and non real estate related, but very interesting is you've got to go check out his band on YouTube called functional groove. He's a musician. He plays the keyboard, bass, guitar, organ. I mean, everything. So uh, he's going to, I don't know if he's going to place any songs on today's episode, but he's certainly going to be a treat for our ears with his advice. So with that being said, Aaron, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure. Thanks, Joe. Um, So my background is going back to when I was 21, the way I got into real estate is through Carlton Sheets, man. I was watching, you know, those infomercials early in the morning type, I mean, late in the morning type stuff. And, uh, I got inspired to uh, check out his program, and um, I even had to borrow some money from one of my parents so I can do this mentorship program. So I did that program, and I, I jumped in with two feet, ready to buy a property with no money down. I found a great deal, ended up buying the house, and it was so nice. Instead of me turning it into an investment property, I actually moved in and lived in it for a year and a half. And then I turned it into an investment property, and um, I had that investment property for several years. Over the next two years after me buying that first property, I bought two other ones. So by the time I was 23, I had three investment properties, collecting rents. And by the time I was 27, what happened is I never jumped into real estate full time. I always had a career and my career kept taking off and I was moving all over the place. And I really didn't enjoy being a long distance landlord. And by the time I was 27, I really got tired and kind of burnt out. And so I liquidated all my properties and just kind of got out of real estate for a minute and you know, um, ended up marrying my girlfriend. We started having kids. And the next thing you know, I just, uh, I didn't even think about real estate till I was about 32 again. So I was about five years later. I ended up wanting to, you know, getting the itch again, never forgot about Carlton Sheets. I read some important books and kind of inspired me to jump back on the horse to uh, be independent. So I went out and grabbed a property that was in foreclosure, 
turned it into an investment property, had some great tenants for about two years, made some good money off. It was cash flowing at like $600 a month. The tenants moved out. I rehabbed the property because it just needed some work to it. And I pulled some equity out and pocketed some money, had some fun with that. But then the market started to crash, right? This was like around 2008. So um, I couldn't rent the property for what I needed it for. I couldn't sell it for what I needed it for. So I ended up moving into it and I'm still living in the property as we speak. But that scary experience having to pay you know, a mortgage on where I was living and a mortgage on two different places for a while spooked me from real estate. So I stayed away from it for five years until just recently. For the last two years, I lost my job in 2012, went back to being a full-time musician for a year. It didn't add up to the income I was used to making. And so in 2013, I, I went full-blown real estate and I haven't looked back. And you're focused now on wholesaling. Why wholesaling? Because wholesaling allows me to keep a monthly cash flow coming in. And it gives me an opportunity to do one specific thing, and that's to keep the really, really good deals for myself, right? That's why I have three rental properties right now, and I've been able to uh, flip a few properties over the last years because they were just really, really good deals. And the deals that I can't afford to do on my own or don't have the resources or maybe just aren't as juicy, I still can turn around and wholesale to other investors that would take them. So it allows me to have multiple profit centers and 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 to go into different areas where instead of just being focused on one area. Let's talk about those multiple profit centers with wholesaling. When you have a deal, first off, how are you getting the deal? What are some effective ways that you've found to generate leads? Okay. So I deal with mainly strictly off-market properties, off-market, you know, direct-to-owner type of deals. So I'm doing some marketing on my own. But to be honest with you, over the last, since September of last year, I, I made a shift in my business, Joe. And this was, uh, I had a partner at first and we separated and I realized what I was good at, Joe. And this is one of the things I was going to talk about with your crowd is that you have to know what you're good at and outsource the rest, right? You know, I knew that I was good at managing a team because I have 13 years of sales management experience. I knew I was good at negotiating deals because I have eight years of going door to door in businesses and residential communities. So that's what I'm good at. I'm getting going out in the field, meeting these people, walking the properties, negotiating the price, getting the deals, and then uh, obviously delegating tasks and running my team. So I now have partners that they spend the money on the marketing. They send me the leads. I work the leads, and then we split the profits. So I now I don't have to focus on doing direct mail campaigns and pay-per-click campaigns and all the stuff that I was struggling with a year ago uh, trying to master I've outsourced that, right? And so now to create the different profit centers, so if it's a deal I can wholesale to my buyer's market, to my, my buyer's network, great. I keep it in the funnel. If it's a deal that doesn't make sense for us, like say, for example, it's a foreclosure and I don't have buyers that do foreclosures. I have a, I have a realtor that does that. Um, if it's a deal that's a short sale, I don't have people that do short sales, but I know a realtor and a lawyer that does that. I outsource it. I have deals that sometimes people want close to retail value. Well, that doesn't make sense for an investor. So I have a realtor or a person that specializes in lease options and subject tos and wraparounds that I'm not an expert in that I outsource that stuff to. So basically I have my business set up that if I can get somebody to raise their hand and say, yes, I want to sell my house and I'm ready to move now. If I can't turn it into a deal for myself or my buyer's network, I have a way to outsource it and turn it into money and monetize the And with each of those options, it's really interesting that you all you need is somebody who wants to sell and then you've got a place for them. Mm-hmm. For each of those options, is it a 50-50 split? No, 
No, I mean, it depends on the partner. Every partner is different. Everybody wants a different cut or a different type of uh, position. So, no, it's not – I don't have a set policy. I kind of let every relationship manifest on its own, and I have individual agreements with my clients. And what are the ranges of partnership options? I would say, yeah, one partner is 50-50, another one's 60-40. So I guess, yeah, it's probably 50-50 or 60-40 for the most part. When you have a deal that makes sense for you, what does that deal look like for you and your investors? Oh, great question. It's a deal that has a ton of equity in it, right? You know, we all use that formula, you know, to ARV times 65, you know, uh, you know, minus 35 to 40% and minus repairs gives me my buy price. So when I can get a, a deal that, uh, and see, as a wholesaler, I have to get to that price and then I have to create some more spreads right, for myself, right? So usually the deals that I can get at 40% below market value or better are the deals that make sense for my investors. My investors can do the gut rehabs. They can do the burnt out shells and abandoned buildings and all that other stuff. So that's never an issue. I do try to avoid the war zones and the really terrible neighborhoods. But fortunately for me, I've been able to find investors that will pretty much have an acquired taste for everything. So it just the numbers just have to make sense at that point. A deal that just has a ton of equity, basically people that accept my low ball offers at this point. And what is that formula again? The ARV minus 35 minimum, minus 35 percent. Then minus repairs. So I basically let's say a property is worth a hundred thousand. I'll multiply that times 0.65, and then I'm taking off whatever the repairs are, and that gives me my buy price. And ARV for any best ever listener who might not know what that is stands for after repair value. So that means after the property has been rehabbed and ready to go on the market for full retail value. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? I would say that it takes time, money, and or experience to become an expert at something. So operate in your strongest area and outsource the rest. That is what was the catalyst for change in my business. You know, the first year and a half I did wholesaling, it was a struggle. You know, the first three to four months, analysis paralysis, trying to learn everything, try to read everything. And then when I jumped into real estate, there were so many different ways to make money, wholesaling, lease options, trying to connect with hedge funds and do certain things like that. So I changed hats so many different times. And then I ran myself ragged trying to do everything, marketing, negotiating deals, connecting with buyers. You know, it just was too much. So I picked one lane and I picked what I was good at. And then I outsource the rest, right? So maybe you're the guy that you're not technically savvy. You don't want to sit here having to respond to emails and having to do marketing campaigns. Okay, hire a virtual assistant for 2 to $3 per hour from the Philippines to do it for you. There's plenty of them out there that are experts on that stuff. You know, I have three of them. So um, that's what I did. I basically picked my lane that I knew I was strongest at, what I was good at, and I outsourced the rest. When you're looking at team members to outsource to how do you qualify the team members? Great question. It's not something that, hey, I just have one conversation with you. Oh, okay, great. Let's give it a try. It's something that I do some homework on the people. You know, I've had, I, I usually go out and meet them in person. We have lunch, maybe twice, where there's some good dialogue there. We've had a chance to look in each other's eyes, get a feel for how, you know, ask some in-depth questions, pull back the veil a little bit to see how we do business. Most of the people that I work with were referred to me by someone that I trust or I've worked with in the past. Um, just because there's a lot of snake oil out here, Joe. There's a lot of people that front or they're wannabes or they're not serious or they're shady. So, yeah, I definitely screen my people. I have to meet them in person. I mean, I don't care if I'm working with somebody from Colorado. 
either you're getting on a plane or I am, I'm, I'm meeting you in person. You know, I really, I don't do this whole, um, uh, talk over the phone once or twice or connect with somebody through email and I'm ready to do business with you. That's not how. How do you do that with the people in the Philippines? You're paying two to $3 an hour. I interview them by video, Skype. I make them go through a series of questions, first of all, to get to that point. And then I will interview them over Skype more than once. Most of the time, I'll have my executive assistant there with me as well. So I even have a second opinion. And then, you know, with virtual assistants, man, I mean, you know, if you've ever been a manager, Joe, you'll realize that how people sell you in the interview and what you actually get sometimes in the work performance are two different things. So I'm not going to sit here and act like my uh, process is flawless and like I haven't had turnover. You know, I'm probably on like my seventh and eighth BA to find the right people. How'd you find your assistant? Uh, she's my family member, my oldest sister. <laughs> okay. So that interview is pretty short. That was pretty short. My sister, I, this is not my first time doing a business. I, um, I tried my first hand at my own business back when I was 26. Uh, it was a company called AccuScore Enterprises. We did credit repair and stuff like that. And then I tried another business when I was about 31. So this is my third business. And my sister has been there for all three rides. You know, she believes in me. I believe in her. We work well together. She's been my best friend since I can remember. And uh, she's she's like Pepper. And I'm like Tony Stark. The girl is sharp. She's a razor. She gets stuff done. She's on top of it. And um, so, yeah, we work really good together. And so, yeah, she has my back and I have hers. I've taken her everywhere I've gone. When you look at wholesaling, how have you had to evolve or how have your partners had to evolve their business over the last couple of years? That's a great question. Um, my business evolved because, you know, there's so many different things that you have to learn in real estate. And I guess the biggest advice I would give anybody is you have to understand several strategies on how to make a deal work, right? It can't just be I give you this low offer, and if you don't take it, I'm on to the next deal. You have to understand subject twos and wraparounds and lease options, and and uh, you understand people or at least connect with people that understand short sales and foreclosures. Because if you don't, then you're cutting out so much business. You're losing on so much money, and it's going to be tough. I mean, that's, that's why people are out there that only wholesale, and I know I was one of them, three or four deals in a year because you got one, you're a one-trick pony. You know what I mean? You got one way to make money in the game and that's just not going to work. So the way I had to evolve was I had to always study and learn new strategies until I was comfortable attacking a deal from multiple angles to be able to make it happen. And how did you study? What resources and materials did you use? I read a lot of books. Um, I'd say my, the, that was definitely number one. I went out to a lot of different uh, RIA meetings. Um, you know, I connected with other investors and I just ask a lot of questions. I'm not I'm, I'm one of those kind of guys that I'm not afraid to embarrass myself, you know, uh, for lack of because I don't know something in order so I can ask the question and get the answers I need. Right. So that's the type of, you know, people say, well, you've been investing for a long time. How come you don't know that? Hey, I, I don't know it. So please break it down to me. You know, <laughs> that's just how I am. I'm just I'm, I'm a go getter. I want to get the information. So Internet, YouTube, books, real meetings, you name it. I will search out it and find it. What are some, and we'll get to your best ever book later, but what are some good wholesaling books that you've read? Yeah, Preston Ely, Sean Terry, a gentleman by the name of Daniel Breslin. All of them have written some books that are definitely have uh, made an impact on my understanding of the, of the knowledge. If you go to Amazon Kindle, you know, there's a lot of good books out there, man. I mean, I read this one book by William Johnson. Um, I read a book by, what was that guy's name? Brian Haskins. 
when you're reading these books, are they? Because I imagine Chicago is a little bit different from other markets. Mm-hmm. What are the unique aspects of Chicago that you have to take into account? Chicago has a lot of old historical type properties, man. Like you know, you got the history of the Chicago Fire, so there's a lot of bricks and. You know, properties were just built a long time ago. So some of the unique things about Chicago is just the dynamics of it. Like, I'll give you an example. You go into Chicago, like if I'm investing in Chicago, I typically can't go beyond 0.3 of a mile for comps because neighborhoods are literally street to street, block to block sometimes. Okay, as far as what's considered a good street and what's considered a bad street where investors will go and where they won't go. So that's the tricky thing about Chicago, really understanding the neighborhoods, what are the hot spots, what are the bad spots and things like that. Where if you go into the suburbs, oh man, I can look at comps up over half a mile, you know, and things are, um, they flow a lot differently. In Chicago, if you get a property that's next to a train or a bus stop, that's a good thing. People like that. They like being close to the expressway. They like having quick access to everything. That same property in the suburbs is a hard, tough sale. Right. You in Chicago, I can sell a property on a two way street a lot easier than I can in the suburbs. So it's just it's the dynamics of it. You really Chicago is one of those areas where you really got to understand the territory, you know, and that's why you find a lot of investors that they have very specific markets, very targeted zip codes that they'll go into because they just don't want to study all the different planes. They just want to have an area that they're good at and focus on. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? First, a quick word from our best ever partner crowdfunding. You've heard about it and now it's time to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is a leading expert in the crowdfunding space and they've got all the answers to your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's p-a-t-c-h-o-f-l-e-n-d.com forward slash best ever. Do you want to build monthly real estate cash flow without the typical headaches? Discover migraine-free real estate investing today at thelandgeek.com forward slash best. No renters or tenants, no rodents or termites, no renovations or toilet repairs. Start learning at thelandgeek.com forward slash best. Best ever book you've read? The No BS Real Estate Investing Guide by Preston Barnett. What'd you take away from that? It just had an impactful change. I mean, it talks about attitude. It talks about mindset. It takes the, the it gave me some very specific strategies, some basic do to do things on a daily basis. And that's the kind of stuff I need. Like I'm, I'm more of a science guy. Give me the steps, give me the blueprint and I'm, give me a plan and I'm going to attack it. I'm going to execute it. And that book did that. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it. I worked for a company called Alarm One between the ages of 23 and 27. It was a company that we did wireless security systems for homes and businesses. And the reason that this was the best personal growth experience is because I had never had a sales job and that company threw me door to door for four years, 100% commission. I worked within four or five months, I became a manager. Within six months after becoming a manager, I was a partner in the company within my first year in the business. I learned so much about myself from the lack of experience can be made up for with attitude, how to be aggressive and how to close and how to set up businesses and how to motivate employees and how to train people and how to set up different offices and how to scout territories. I mean, without having a college education, how to do a SWOT analysis. I mean, it just taught me so much about business. And I rub elbows with people that were millionaires. And it changed my persona. It changed my attitude. It changed my goals and what I wanted out of life. You know, before I came to that company, 
I just had average ideas and I had average goals. And that company, yeah, it basically changed the entire fabric. I was, I was a different person after work. Best ever success habit you practice? Constantly examining myself every day, looking at my weaknesses. I always look at the fundamentals. I used to play competitive basketball and, you know, no matter how good I got, I always shot 100 free throws and always took, you know, 100 jump shots, you know, and I just um, I always work on the fundamentals, Joe. I always study myself. I don't point the finger at anybody else. I take responsibility for when things don't happen on my own and um, I'm always examining myself. So I think that's important. Study every day. You should be studying something every day. What are you studying right now? I am going back to the fundamentals on closing the deal. I'm studying Grant Cardone's closing survival guide. Any interesting tips that you've come across? Grant is, I would just, I'm actually, I just started the book about a couple of days ago. I'm listening to the audio series and I'm about chapter 35. Uh, Belief, man, belief. If you know, you, one of the key things is that people buy people and you have to be passionate. You have to be convinced so much that uh, about what you're doing, that it's, it's pervasive through the conversation that people pick up on it. It's, it attracts others to it. So I'm, that's the biggest thing is like, you cannot have any doubt about what your purpose is, where you are and where you're going. Um, you know, Grant puts it in the context of believing in a product. I put it in the context of believing in my business and my service that I'm bringing to sellers and my buyers. Yes. I love that. And for best ever listeners, in case you want to check out my interview with Grant, it's episode 190. And it's titled, Using a Video LOI to Win a Deal that Netted $20 Million. So a, a very, uh, very fun and exciting. And as if, if you know anything about Grant, it's high energy interview. Passion, passion. You better, you know, aggressiveness. Yeah, absolutely. What's the best ever deal you've done? I made 25 grand in three weeks. Details, yeah. I'm curious about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I was. Uh, it was a. Lead, it was a lead that it. Um, you know, I don't want to give address or stuff. I'll say it was in Arlington Heights, right? And um, yeah, I, I went out to this person's house. I talked to them on a Thursday. I went out to them on a Friday, and uh, walked the property with them. Turned out she was a music lover. You know, I'm obviously talking about my band. You know, I go in the house and I see a pool table and I see a, a piano. Two things I can do very well. So I, we instantly kicked it off, and I, I swear by the end of the, the meeting, I'd been there for like an hour, she was inviting me and my family up to her place up in uh, Cape Cod. But it was a great conversation, and um, so I ended up making a lower offer than what she wanted, but because I connected with her so well, and I, I knew that I was gonna be able to get that deal sold very quickly, she went with me. You know, She said, hey, you know what? I had stronger offers from everybody else, but I trust you. I think you're going to get it done. I really liked us, so I you know, liked you, and um, I'm hoping that I can meet your family. So yeah, let's get the deal done. And so she took my offer. And uh, so yeah, I, um, I put it out there to my buyer's network at $30,000 higher than when I had it under contract because I knew that that, was, that kind of money was in the deal. And uh, somebody made me an offer. I, I put it out there on uh, a Saturday. I signed a contract on a Sunday evening, the very next day, and I closed about three weeks later, and it was a $25,000 assignment. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? I just dropped a couple grand to completely tweak out my Podio CRM tool that I'm using to manage my customer relationship. This customer relationship management tool is Podio, and I just paid some money to add all these automated tasks and uh, I can send 
emails and text messages from my podio now. I can generate documents within a contract within 45 seconds by filling in a few fields and pushing a button. Um, so I'm able to do so much more work and I've, I, I'm so much more free now to be on the phone and work on deals and negotiate contracts with buyers. I'm no longer you know, losing two hours a day trying to delegate tasks for my VAs and all this other stuff. And um, it's just so exciting that I, I, I have this new system that's allowing me to, uh, to thrive at what I'm good at. Best ever way you like to give back? Teach others about investing and operating their own business while hopefully helping neighborhoods make a comeback or thrive. You know, that's definitely, you know, I, I have a passion for real estate. I have a passion for passion for helping others. So I already have, you know, uh, churches and I have real estate groups reaching out to me, wanting to invite me out to their meetings and, and share with people, you know, what I'm doing and uh, how I do it. And I'm excited about that. That's definitely something I feel is my legacy to give back to people and show them to pave the way. I mean, I believe in abundance. There's enough for us out here for everybody. So I'm not hiding my secrets, man. I have nothing to hide. I, I'm a glass house. I tell that to everybody. I, I, I will teach you what I know. Best ever quote. Excellence is never an accident. It is the result of high intention, sincere effort, intelligent direction, skillful execution, and the vision to see obstacles as opportunities. Yeah. I'm shaking my head. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Shaking it up and down, <laughs> not sideways. <laughs> Who said that? I don't know. I've signed in it one time and I grabbed it and uh, I, I've made it my mantra. It's all over. It's everywhere I go. Yeah. Well, that's a, a quote according to uh, Aaron Lockhart. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> if no one else is going to claim it, you might as well. Right, 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 right. What would you say is the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Uh, changing hats too many times. You know, um, I, 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 at the beginning, I got discouraged too quickly. Right. Like if something didn't happen for me in a month or two, I was ready to look at something else, you know. I just didn't have enough patience. And that cost me time and it cost me money. And um, when I finally just, you know, gutted it out, tightened my belt, suffered through the pains and to figure something out until I got good at it is when I made a difference. So the biggest mistake I made, like when I first got started in real estate, the first couple months, I tried to work with this one group and just supply them with deals. That didn't work out. So then I jumped ship and then I tried to uh, do my own thing, but then I struggled. That didn't work out. So then I went back to, okay, I'm going to get out of wholesaling. Let me do lease options. And then I tried that for a couple months and that didn't work out. So then I was like, okay, well, wait a minute. I'm going to try to connect with a hedge fund and maybe just try to feed these hedge funds. And then that didn't work out within a couple of months. And then I'm I'm changing another hat. So I just, I kept jumping from, to, from train to train to train if it didn't take off within a couple of months. I didn't give myself enough opportunity to get beyond the learning curve, to get good at something, to develop some expertise in an area. And um, so that hurt me at the beginning. So that was by far my, it cost me probably a year. And Aaron, what is the best ever place to reach you? My phone number, uh, 630-410-9845 or my website, firstintegritygroup.com. Aaron, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your advice with the best ever listeners. And you know, some takeaways that I was writing down as, as you were talking. Well, I mean, clearly, even if I wasn't taking notes, which I was, one of the main themes throughout is knowing what you're good at and then placing team members to compliment you and your business. And you talked about just at the very end where giving time to yourself to stay focused mm -hmm. on the things that you need to see through and not bouncing around from one to another. I think it all kind of ties together where when you stay focused on what you're good at 
then you're going to enjoy it. You're going to receive success. You're going to get more achievement and then you'll bring on the team members and scale it out. And the other thing that I love, I mean, you're a continual learner. Robert Kiyosaki would give you a hug right now if he could, if you were in the same room, because that's his whole philosophy whenever I was doing the interview with him. And one of the things I'm I'm always wanting to learn, and you you nailed it, and that's what you focus on, and that is knowing different strategies for properties. Because there's always there's always an opportunity. It's just we have to be intelligent enough and educated enough to know, all right, this sounds like it could be a lease option. This sounds like a good opportunity for my foreclosure person. And that's something that I'm continuing to study from for multifamily too, where there's always ways we can structure deals. And, you know, clearly the, the, every deal is not going to happen, but it's, it's about numbers and it's about terms. And if, if we're intelligent enough and educated enough to figure that out and know what's the best solution for the seller to solve their problem, because we buy, we solve problems, right? right. We, we don't, we don't buy houses or we don't wholesale. We, we really solve problems. That's what we do. Yeah. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you wanted to mention to the best ever listeners before we sign off? You know, it's interesting that you brought up Robert Kiyosaki because when you asked me what the best book I've ever read, what I actually wrote down for that answer was Preston Ely's No BS Real Estate Gu- Investing Guide with Rich Dad, Poor Dad being a close second as far as <laughs> an impactful change in my life. Um, so definitely that, that that hit home. And I think you're right. That's one thing I had neglected to say during our interview, but by far... The reason that I'm successful in the field with negotiating with people is because I come in as a problem solver. I come in to find out what they're dealing with. I want them to talk through it. I want to understand it clearly because I'm going to lay out a plan of how I'm going to resolve it. And that's really by far the secret to my success. And it always has been, whether it was doing alarms, whether it was doing credit repair, or now whether it's doing real estate. It's always been my approach is to solve other people's problems. Aaron, thank you so much. I hope you have a best ever week and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com, where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever.